Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Thank you for being here. Bless you. And here we be. Oh, my goodness. There's so much to tackle today. All of it's quite interrelated, too. Do you realize all the talk about Donald Trump and his mindset and so forth? All the talk about Joe Biden and his lack of a mindset. I think one of the craziest, most dangerous, narcissistic minds and individuals to ever serve in the Oval Office is Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. I also think his invisible hand is working through his staffers in the Biden administration. You can see the outright hate and anti-Semitism of so much of the Obama administration. You can see the open border with the desire to change the demographics in this country. You can see the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars being spent on hardcore left-wing programs. Obama was a trained, indoctrinated Marxist who hung out with domestic terrorists. Whereas Joe Biden hung out with white separatists and segregationists, of which he apparently knows a lot. Obama hung out with pro-Hamas Palestinians, Marxists, domestic terrorists, and the like. What a combo, those two. And tell me, the eight years of the Obama-Biden regime, how much was accomplished? Almost nothing was accomplished. How many lives were improved? Well, other than theirs, really none. 
So Obama will only do interviews with friendly media, if you want to call them media, slobbering mouthpieces of the left, propagandists. Barack Melhouse Benito Obama will never come on this program. Mr. Producer, since he's been out of office, seriously, try and track down his publicist, get through the 412 layers of protection, and see if he'll come on the program for an honest discussion. And we will make that effort, ladies and gentlemen. To no avail, I'm sure, but nonetheless, we'll go through the motions. Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama. Why do you call him Milhouse? Just because I can. Why do you call him Benito? Mussolini, that's why. Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama. You want me to call him Barack Hussein Obama? I, I, I don't know. The rhinos may get upset. He was on the Ezra Klein podcast yesterday. Who's Ezra Klein? Nobody cares who Ezra Klein is. It's Ezra Decline, but that's okay. And everybody and their mother has a podcast. And most of the everybody's aren't worth listening to, although their mothers are. Here's Obama. Just listen to this. This is a sick mind. May I say that? I think I will. Here's Obama on the Ezra Klein podcast yesterday. Cut 22, go. The truth is, is that if, if Donald Trump doesn't get elected, let's say uh, Joe Biden or in, you know, the person who was running Hillary Clinton had immediately succeeded me and the economy suddenly is 3% unemployment, I think we would have consolidated the sense that, oh, actually, these policies that Obama put in place worked, right? The fact that Trump... Which policy that Obama put in place worked? He destroyed health care. He destroyed the border. Prior to Biden, he was the biggest spender in American history. What, what policies undermining the United States military? What policies that Obama put in place, economically, socially, otherwise, were working? And they, they could have consolidated and they really, really would have worked. Now, there's an important point here beyond the obvious, which is this. I've told you many times that they were furious that Donald Trump interfered with the third term of Obama. And they despised him for him. They mocked him. They thought he would be an easy defeat. And he won. And he interfered with their grand plans, ladies and gentlemen. Interfered with their grand plans. He had to be taken out. So they could pave the way for a stooge like Biden, or a stooge like Kamala Harris, or a stooge like Beto O'Rourke, or a stooge, uh, you understand the list. But listen to the egomaniac and the narcissism. What a dangerous man this is, psychotic and narcissistic, who sat there in the Oval Office for eight years. Go. Essentially, the continuation of our policies. I see. So Trump's, listen to this, the fact that Trump interrupts essentially the continuation of our policies. Go ahead. It still benefits from the economic stability and, and growth that we had initiated. Means people aren't sure. Well, gosh, unemployment's three and a half percent under Donald Trump. Now, now you hear that? So Trump took a completely different course than Obama. Obama's confiscatory taxes, massive regulatory state, economic dislocation, redistribution of wealth, 
not-so-ambiguous racist policies in many respects. So Donald Trump, you see, here's the deal. Even when a Republican president, or even when Donald Trump succeeds, he can't succeed. Even when capitalism succeeds over Marxism, it can't succeed. Even when our policies are demonstrated to be more humane and create opportunity and wealth and employment, it's not really our policies, you see. It's the the hangover, the holdover from Obama and the other Marxists. Go ahead. Argue, and I think a lot of economists that you know and I know would suggest that mostly that had nothing to do with Donald Trump's policies, right? And mostly had to do with uh, we had put the economy on a footing where... So most economists, I don't know who the hell he's talking about. Obviously, the fools that dress up as economists, like this Paul Krugman, if that is his name. Uh, Most uh, economists would agree that my policies saved America. That our economic vitality of a massive 3% growth were due to my policies. That massive confiscatory taxes. Oh yes, a ubiquitous leviathan of a federal government and regulations. Economic dislocation. These are the true measures of a successful economy. And here we are ready to consolidate the sense that our policies actually work. In steps Trump and interrupts this. But even still, our policies are so magnificent and I'm so righteous that even Donald Trump, even Donald Trump, couldn't stop them. Go ahead. Actually just continued the longest peacetime recovery in American history. I am responsible for the longest peacetime recovery in American history. It's true. You know the Potomac River? Late at night when nobody was watching. I would walk on that river. I would walk on water from the shores, the banks, of Washington, D.C., I'd walk on the water across to Arlington, Virginia, and the Arlington National Cemetery. I'm not one to brag, you know. But I could do that. I just didn't want other people to see. Go ahead. American history, but if you're the average voter, you're kind of thinking, well, you know, looks like Republican policies are working for me to some degree. You know, uh, if you're the average schlub, part of the masses out there, to look at this situation and you give credit to Donald Trump just because he's president for four years and the lowest unemployment rate among all minorities and women. An economy that was bursting at the seams, growing, and then later after the virus, ready to grow. You, the American people, systemically racist, white-dominated American people. Just too stupid to know that everything you have is due to me 
Barack Milhouse Benito Obama. Or as we like to say in my house, Baracko. Go ahead. He explains why Trump was able to make some inroads, modest, overstated, but real inroads among non-white voters. Feeling like, you know what, I'm, I'm working and making you know, decent uh, money. The reason why Trump made inroads with non-white voters, a.k.a. people of color, was because they thought he was me. They thought Donald Trump was me. These stupid voters, and I, we cross racial lines when it comes to stupid. These stupid voters, blacks and Hispanics in particular, my constituent group, my base, modest but overstated inroads to Trump make. But real. Because they thought he was me. Because they thought that his policies created wealth when it was my policies. All along. Go ahead. Things feel pretty good. So that clouds what I think would have been a more impactful <laughs> shift in political views towards Democrats as a result of you know, my presidency. And so you see, I've been spinning like hell, twisting fact into pretzels. I do this well. People like the sound of my voice and my jib. And here I am, Barack Melhouse, Benito Obama, Baracko. And so, this makes fuzzy, ambiguous, cloudy. Who's to get credit for what? And it would have been much more impactful, you see. That is, for Democrats and my legacy, if the truth would come out. That my iron fist and brass knuckles, that my wrecking ball of an administration... That the destruction that we were able to unleash from sea to shining sea and beyond. That my repeated laments about America and condemnation of the American people, particularly when I was overseas. Where they love me, you know. Where they love me. That the confusion that was created by truth, fact, knowledge created a situation where we could not be as impactful as we wanted to be during the election. This guy is unhinged. He actually believes this crap. But he's not done on the Ezra Klein podcast. I'll be right back. Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, 
the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama was not done. And after the bottom of the hour, we have one more segment or clip that we would like to play and interpret for you. Listening to somebody who is utterly and completely pathological and unhinged. I would say he's the first president to occupy the Oval Office who was so thoroughly unhinged and in love with himself. Truthfully, he's, t- he's giving a love story about himself. Utterly fictional. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I need your help. We need your help. Before the bottom of the hour. We always look at this. It's sent to me about now, and I'm looking at Amazon.com. American Marxism is number 20 on the list. We need to keep the pressure on the publishers of the country, on the retailers of the country. We need to keep the pressure on our enemies. And so, as I look at this, um, it's a little embarrassing, quite frankly. If you want to join us in this movement to push back and push back hard, you've got to be with us from day one. We've got we to gotta hit that starting signal very, very fast. I'm going to do a lot of media. I haven't done any now. Um, on some of our favorite uh, radio and television programs. And uh, I'm going to do uh, outreach to areas I don't normally reach out to. Because I want us to go on offense. Whether it's our classrooms. Whether it is our media. Whether it is politicians at the federal and state level. Whether it's school boards. This so-called climate change, which is a war on your homes, your private property rights, and your income, a.k.a. the capitalist system. I need you to join us. We need to join together. This is our moment. This is our time. Those of you who love this country, I want to strongly encourage you. It's at a discount of almost 40% to go to Amazon.com if you prefer one of the other sites. Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and so forth. Jump in with both feet, ladies and gentlemen, and get your pre-ordered first edition American Marxist. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Well, I hope you were able to jump in, folks. We can use you, and we're going to need you. We're going to need everybody poised, all hands on deck. And so you can pre-order your first edition, their first edition, when they, when they print additional copies, which they no doubt will. It's no longer a first edition. It's almost 40% off on Amazon. It's a really good deal, quite frankly. And Amazon, I'm sure, hates me in this book as much as the New York Times will. But this will all depend on you, you patriotic Levinites out there. I want to continue with Obama on the Ezra Klein podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I understand Barack O, a.k.a. Barack Obama, a.k.a. Barack Benito Milhouse Obama, will now appear anywhere. He'll appear in Las Vegas. He'll appear on sonograms. He'll appear on airport sonar. And he'll appear, he'll appear on the Ezra Klein podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And the profound words just keep dripping out of his mouth. Let's continue, shall we? Cut 23, go. And I think that what we're seeing now, as Joe Biden and the administration are essentially finishing the job. In other words, Joe Biden is finishing the job that I started. You see, ladies and gentlemen, the eight years of Obama-Biden were like eight years we've never seen before. Unbelievable. The accomplishments, the growth. America just flourished like never before. Here we have a man who hated his own country, wanted to fundamentally transform it. That's what that means. If you love something, you don't fundamentally transform it. Here's a man who went to war with our traditions, our history, our systems. Here's a trained Marxist who's now, he and the missus, worth a quarter of a billion dollars or so because the system is so rigged against him. Got elected to the Senate with sleazy, dirty tricks against his Republican opponent, the release of his opponent's divorce records. Two years later, he gets elected President of the United States, given his incredible substantive achievements as a United States Senator. What were they? There weren't any. Eight years of Barack, Milhouse, Benito, Obama. That country's at each, everybody's at each other's throat. We long for the days, don't we? But Obama's invisible hand is still here. Turns out that he was the invisible hand behind the economic, really, historic growth under Trump. Did you know that? Just ask him, he'll tell you. Turns out that Joe Biden is nothing more than the dust at his back. That Joe Biden is nothing more than his plaything, his puppet, 
Because Joe Biden is essentially, quote-unquote, finishing the job. Wow. Go ahead. I think it'll be an interesting test. You know, 90% of the folks who were there were there in my administration. They are continuing and building on the policies we talked about. Whether it's you know, This is amazing. In all seriousness, how this guy is so off psychologically. Now look here. Uh, you know, I could only get elected twice and serve for eight years. And you know quite well I could have gotten elected to a third term. Hillary should have won that third term. and She would have finished what I started, but here comes this guy, Trump. This guy, Trump, gets in the Oval Office. Meanwhile, Trump benefits from my policies. All of Trump's successes are mine. All of his failures are his. Every economist will agree. Just ask them. Ask them. I'm bigger than America. I was loved worldwide. It's true. And then we're able to remove Trump. We tried everything we could. While he was in office, impeachment twice, multiple coup efforts, criminal investigations. My people, the FBI and the intelligence agencies, did everything they could to bring that man down. That we finally got him. COVID-19, coronavirus, China virus, whatever you wish to call it. And we were able to change election laws, including in Pennsylvania, utterly and completely unconstitutionally. And then we could rely on John Roberts, Hollywood John. John didn't want to take up any of the the cases out of Pennsylvania, which were purely constitutional cases, mind you. Nothing to do with fraudulent ballots, nothing to do with machine, just straight-up constitutional cases. And now, as these Republican legislatures exercise their federal constitutional rights, we're literally having a blast here, calling them all kinds of names, I tell you. We can call them anything we want in our media or regurgitate our arguments. Here we are, the Democrat Party. The irony of me, Barack Bill House, Benito Obama, Barack being elected in the Democrat Party, the party of slavery and segregation, the party of Jim Crow, party of Marxism. It's amazing how we can call the Republican legislatures racist. Jim Crow. Without any factual information or substance whatsoever, it doesn't matter. Our base will go along. Our base. His base. They'll go along. So Ezra, if I didn't mention this before, I'm the greatest human being to ever walk on water, Ezra. It's true. Just ask me. Go ahead. Our climate change agenda and, and the Paris Peace Accords and figuring out how, how do we improve the ladders to mobility through things like community colleges and 
if, as I think they will be, they're successful over the next four years, I think that will have an impact. Wow. So profound. Confucius, I mean, Obama says. Let's see. Let's, let's look at that, folks. The Affordable Care Act, which we all know is the Unaffordable Care Act. You like it? Our climate change agenda, the Paris Peace Accord, these are his great accomplishments. Wow. We've never seen anything like this before, have we, lady? No. The great Obama accomplished. They're, they're, they're so numerous, he can't, even, he can't even really list them. He's got three here. One of them he calls an agenda. Another is the Paris Peace Accords. And the third one, who the hell knows? Well, there we are. The great Obama, like the great Houdini. And Ezra Klein is sitting there wetting himself. He's so impressed. I have this crappy little podcast, and here Obama's talking to me. So here's a public challenge, and Mr. Producer will follow up. We want to give Barack Milhouse Benito Obama access to 14.5 million listeners. And that's a low number. To listeners who listen to this program over a satellite worldwide, over the internet worldwide, over the Mark Levin and iHeartRadio apps worldwide, who listen to this program on AM and FM radio. We want to give the President Obama the opportunity to actually be heard, not the Ezra Klein podcast, for God's sakes. Where I can ask him some questions about his positions uh, and why he takes credit for Trump and Obama. Then we can ask him about his presidential library. Why so many people, particularly Hispanic Americans, are protesting his library because it's ruining their neighborhoods. What about that, Brock? Hmm? Oh, my ladies and gentlemen. Joe Biden about now, hearing about this interview, must be very, very upset. He must be squinting and mumbling eating his cinnamon applesauce tonight with his dentures in a cup right next to his plate. He must be so furious the cornrows on his forehead are popping all out. There can be no question about this. The great Joe Robinette Biden Jr. Can you imagine this pair? Barack Milhouse Benito Obama's president? Joe Robinette Biden Jr. as vice president? Can you imagine this country got through this, for God's sakes? Barely. Barely. I was never a birther when it came to Obama, was I, Mr. Producer? I was attacked viciously for this, wasn't I? But I must confess something to you here and now, and I don't mean to be provocative. When it comes to Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., I'm a birther. I don't believe this man was born in America. I don't believe he was born on this planet. I believe he was created in a test tube. I'll be right back. Mark Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. 
But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Joe Biden says the greatest threat facing this country is white supremacy. And yet these statistics don't demonstrate that at all. The statistics don't demonstrate that at all. How could that be? Is Joseph Ramanette Jr. lying? What could possibly be the reason for this? Let's listen to... Fredo Chris Cuomo, Mr. Ethics. Cut five, go. The president referenced Charlottesville. Neo-Nazis brandishing torches. A century later, hate crimes against Asian and Jewish Americans. Reminders that white supremacism, white terror, is the most lethal threat to our homeland. Now, that's very interesting that they use the hate crimes against Jews and Asians. Because most of the hate crimes against Jews is not from white supremacists. It's from African Americans and Palestinians. Most of the hate crimes against Asians is not from white supremacists. It's from African Americans. I'm not trying to be provocative. I'm not trying to cause any issues here. But it has nothing to do with white supremacy, or very little to do with it. Unless, of course, you think Mayor Bill DeCamio in New York is a white supremacist. He may be. Not to my knowledge. I think he's just a straight-up Marxist. But that said, ladies and gentlemen, he's the one who sicked law enforcement and others and Orthodox Jews in Brooklyn and elsewhere. While the Marxists were roaming the streets, Black Lives Matter and Antifa riding without masks in large numbers, and certainly not six feet apart. In fact, I think they were goose-stepping in order, one after another. Go ahead. Today, what really should scare us all is that never in the modern era have we seen what should be relegated to the fringes. You know they're neo-Nazis. Neo-Nazis? First of all, we know you're a clown. That's number one. We know that Fredo is a clown. We know he's a stupid guy. Uh, We know he's an egomaniac. And we know he has a job because his last name is Cuomo. And Zuckerberg's into Democrats. Actually, it's Zucker, right? The chef mother Zucker, as I recall. 
Now, all that said, the threats that I've gotten since I've been behind this microphone are actually from the Klan and neo-Nazis. And I don't know of anybody who supports the Klan or neo-Nazis. Certainly not constitutional conservatives. Certainly not. We don't support tyranny of any kind. And yet, the Cuomo party does. They do. When is the last time Chris Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and the rest, the rest of the gang, when's the, le- when's the first time they condemned Omar, Talib, Presley, Ayach, Bush, and the conga line of Marxist anti-Semites. When is the first time they denounced Black Lives Matter? They're Marxist co-founders. They're openly anti-Semitic, Jew-hating propaganda. They're American-hating Marxist agenda. And they talk about the fringes. Let me tell you something, Cuomo. You are in the fringes. You and that jerk who precedes you, Don Lemon. You're defined by the fringes. In fact, the Democrat Party has always been defined by the fringes. Whether it was slaveholders, whether it was segregationists, whether it was the Klan, whether it was Jim Crow, so it's precious. It's precious to hear you and that bozo in the White House lecture all the rest of us about things that your party has stood for and embraced. That's why I have no ratings, you doofus. Because everybody knows you're a buffoon. Everybody knows you're a buffoon. And did I mention that your brother, Andrew Cuomo, said to be the smartest of the Cuomo, so that shows you where they're starting from. That your brother is responsible for the death of thousands. Andrew Cuomo was a greater threat to the citizens of New York, particularly the citizens of New York City, than any damn fringe group, as best as I can tell. And Joe Biden, when you say that, quote-unquote, white supremacy is a greater danger in this country than al-Qaeda and ISIS, you are a disgusting disgrace. Nobody supports white supremacy. But the idea that these terrorists are not a greater threat is insanity. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 773813811. Again, I want to thank those of you who have jumped in with both feet, tromping at the bit, ready to go on offense, 
ready to claw our way back into our own country, if you will. People of all backgrounds and races and ethnicities and so forth. You see, we don't call ourselves Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter. We call ourselves red-blooded Americans. No matter what Biden tries to do to us in our country, no matter what the media try to do to us in our country, no matter what the Democrat Party tries to do to us in our country, because it's in all their benefit to rip us to shreds, to have us at each other's throats. We are not obsessed with skin color. We are red-blooded Yanks. That's what we are. Most of the people who talk the way Biden speaks, most of the people who talk the way leading Democrats speak, most of the people who talk the way academia and basketball players and media speak have never fought for this country. Have never contributed to this country. Oh, they may give money here and there. I'm not talking about that. Their careers have been utterly unaffected by anything that they do in the name of this country. They defame this country. That's what they do. Barack Obama has milked this country for everything it's worth. And so has Michelle Obama. There, I said it. Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer. That's about right. Chuck Schumer has been on the public payroll every damn day since he graduated from law school. Joe Biden has been on the public payroll every damn day since he barely graduated law school, except for a little stint when he made millions and millions of dollars on a speaking tour, if you can believe it, and that he set up two S corporations so he wouldn't have to pay any Medicaid or Obamacare taxes. How do you like that? How do you like that? The Biden administration, the enemy from within, plotting the downfall of this country, plotting to destroy our economic system, plotting to destroy the diversity and unity that is this country, plotting to undermine our military and our police forces. We really are on a two-front war. The one that's internal, which is much more complicated than one that is external, led by the genocidal communist regime that loves the Biden family. And why shouldn't they? They paid for it. That's right. So we do face a very daunting task, don't we, folks? But we can do this because we are red-blooded Americans. Black and white, red and brown, yellow and everything in between. We are red-blooded Americans. We need to organize. We need to galvanize. We need to rally to the cause. The cause of not only our own liberty, but the liberty for future generations, your children and your grandchildren. Look at what they're doing to our country. Imagine what it'll be in 10 or 20 years. If they succeed and we fail, you won't recognize this country. It won't be a free, prosperous country. It won't be a secure and safe country. Everywhere the radical Democrats go, everywhere these Marxists go, it's crime. It's corruption. 
It's a disaster. We are the only thing that stands between our children, our grandchildren, and generations yet born. And these totalitarians. We're it. Joe Biden has used race his entire career. When he first got to the Senate, when he threw in with these segregationists and separatists, and now, when he lies about Republican legislatures, when he spews out the word Jim Crow, the phrase Jim Crow, and his party follows behind, as they always do. Joe Biden could say anything and do anything, and they'll be right there behind him. And this is what we're going to fight. And we're going to inform ourselves like never before. We're going to inform ourselves about our enemies like never before. That's right, I said enemies. We're going to find ways to take our classrooms back. To confront corporations. To secure our border. And on and on and on. You need to be part of this. Or we will certainly fail. The struggle is on. We're on our heels. It's not very comfortable. We see little breakouts of liberty. Little breakouts of pushback. They're inspiring. But we don't mean to be inspired. We mean to be effective. We mean to be resolute. We mean to be on offense. Let them stand on their heels. And let us stand tall. American Marxism is intended to do all these things. If it just does some of them, that'll be a great achievement. By you. By you. When I wrote Men in Black, my first book, I was concerned about the out-of-control judiciary. It's still a grave concern. When I wrote my third book, Liberty and Tyranny, I was concerned about the, the whole idea of conservative, constitutionalist republicanism was being devoured by the rhinos and by the hard left. And it was. When I wrote Ameritopia, I was concerned that we were embracing the ideas of Marx, Hegel, Plato's Republic. And we were. When I wrote the Liberty Amendments, I was trying to find a way out of this. They used the Constitution to destroy it. I felt we should use the Constitution to save it. I still do. When I wrote Plunder and Deceit, it was mostly aimed at younger people to show them what was happening to their country, what was being done to their country. When I wrote Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, I wanted to reignite an understanding of who we are and a better explanation of who they are. And when I wrote on freedom of the press, because I think the press in America is not a free press. 
I think in many ways it is a totalitarian media. Again, there was cause for alarm that these people have devoured our First Amendment and now are using it against us. As important as all those books were, this book, American Marxism, is the most important book. Perhaps it's the most provocative book. I don't much care. But it is a book that lays it out once and for all. Once and for all. It's too short, even though it's the longest book I've ever written. But it's the most important book that I've ever written, given our times. And given the fact that I think many of our leaders... Well, where are our leaders? A handful of them, but where are the rest of them? The never-Trumpers, it turns out, are the weak underbelly. The Liz Cheney's, the Adam Kingsingers, the Ben Sasses, and the Mitt Romney's. They're still playing on the old ball field. They're playing football without a helmet. That's what they're doing. They have no idea that the world is passing them by, that tyranny is surrounding, swirling us, uh, swirling around us. They are focused on making points with the enemy. We don't have time for this. These people are to be defeated and dismissed. Defeated and dismissed. People are saying, what would Ronald Reagan say today? I hear Paul Ryan talks about this. I don't know how well Paul Ryan knew Ronald Reagan. I knew Ronald Reagan. I campaigned for him in 76 and 80. I've been to the Reagan Library many, many times for every book signing. They've sold out faster and had a bigger crowd when I appear than any other time. Now, why is that? Ronald Reagan confronted Marxism and he confronted tyranny when he was a Democrat in Hollywood. When he was the president of the Screen Actors Guild, of which I am a member, not by choice, but by force. And he fought the Marxists. And he saw it from the inside. And he left the Democrat Party, as he would say, the Democrat Party left him. He didn't just become a Republican because it was the social thing to do in Hollywood. It wasn't. He was a conservative. And then he became a Republican. And Ronald Reagan's personal library in his home was filled with books from the ancients, from great thinkers and writers. Ronald Reagan was one of us. Despite the best efforts of Karl Rove and his ilk to define him otherwise. Ronald Reagan was a statesman and a leader. Ronald Reagan was a warrior. Ronald Reagan backed Barry Goldwater even though they knew Barry Goldwater was going to lose in a landslide with his time for choosing speech in 1964, which I do not believe Paul Ryan comprehends very well. Certainly, it leaves Karl Rove in the dust. That Ronald Reagan laid out in that speech 
an agenda that was just as, if not more, conservative than Barry Goldwater. People heard him and they watched him. And they were incredibly impressed with him. Two years later, he would run for governor of California, the first office he ever ran for. Big state, big population. He was the underdog and he won in a landslide. Shortly thereafter, he ran again and he won in a bigger landslide. And he instituted one conservative policy after another, much like DeSantis in Florida. Ronald Reagan ran against the Republican establishment. He wasn't part of it. Ronald Reagan, at a CPAC speech, said we shouldn't leave the Republican Party. We need a new Republican Party. Ronald Reagan had a great distaste for Washington, D.C. and the bureaucracy and the lifelong politicians that inhabit that city. And they try and rewrite his history. People who never did campaign for him in 1976. Who now seek to control his legacy. It was Ronald Reagan who had such an enormous influence on me. Among other great men and women of his period. And while many Republicans and pseudo-Republicans and phony conservatives would have you think that Ronald Reagan would be very concerned about Donald Trump. Ronald Reagan would be shocked and to be demanding that we push back against the Marxists in this country. Just as he pushed back against them in Hollywood. Critical race theory? Latcrit? A transgenderism movement? The war on Capitalism, the degrowth movement, undermining law enforcement. Whose side do you think he would stand on, ladies and gentlemen? With whom do you think he would stand? Do you think he would stand with us? Or the Republican establishment? The same Republican establishment that worked overtime, day in and day out, to try and defeat Ronald Reagan in 1968, in 1976, and even in 1980. The same Republican establishment that rejected Ronald Reagan rejected Donald Trump. And I should know. Because I fought them all. Well, we don't have a Ronald Reagan right now. Donald Trump is a great leader and a dear friend. We have him. And he is tremendous. But they've kneecapped him. We don't have the presidency anymore. Some people say to me, do you think Trump will run or not? I said, I have no idea, but I hope he does. I hope he does. 
because Obama likes to talk about his third term through Biden and Clinton. Donald Trump was denied a second term. And can you imagine the progress we would have made in a second term? Considering the progress we made in the first term. I've got more to say. I'll be right back. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I will do something that I'm definitely not supposed to be doing. The very last page of American Marxism. The very last paragraph. General George S. Patton reportedly said, Never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. Thus at this point I provided, I write in the book, some concrete ideas and suggestions on how to proceed. But by no means is this an exhaustive list of possible actions or action areas. In the end, it is up to you to decide how best to help actively save our republic and what role you will choose. That said, Patton also reportedly declared no good decision was ever made in a swivel chair. While this is the end of the book, it's the beginning of a new day. We choose liberty. Patriots of America, unite! 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 I'll be right back. No, I quoted Patton at the end of American Marxism. I thought that was uh, the right thing to do. We're in one of those moments, one of those moments of... uh, Liberty or tyranny, and what do you choose? We can no longer be observers. I'm not talking about changing your career, changing your life, or anything of the sort. You'll see when the time comes. But this is a multi-staged movement. Educating ourselves, not just with TV and radio, but educating ourselves substantively. Knowing what we're dealing with. Knowing who we're dealing with. So we know what to focus on. So we're not flailing around. That's the goal. That's the goal. And you're going to do this. We're going to do this together. 
When you look at your children and your grandchildren, when you think about the history of this country, we're Americans. The Democrat Party, the Marxists, the corrupt media, the Marxists, the tenured professors, the Marxists, the corporatists, and so forth and so on, the fact of the matter is that they have demonstrated that they do not love this country. They're not about equality. This isn't about white supremacy. Here's what you need to know. Everything that Joe Biden says is intended to empower Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. The history of the Democrat Party is a history of war against America and Americanism. That's what it is. It's not satisfied with a constitutional republic. So it seeks to break off. It's not satisfied with the unalienable rights and the Declaration of Independence. So it defends slavery. It's not satisfied with the end of this civil war. So it promotes and defends segregation and separation. It's not satisfied with the right to vote. So it supports poll taxes, literacy texts, generally called Jim Crow laws. And then, of course, they accuse the people who stand up for individual liberty, who believe in a colorblind society, who believe in real equality under the law, and accuse them of being racists. Now, to show you how pernicious this whole thing is, ladies and gentlemen, I have people who have reached out to me. Some have been former prisoners, and they are the nicest people. Then they really want to contribute to society. Not all, of course. I'm not, not a Pollyanna, but you understand what I'm saying. They've reached out to me. They want to read. They want to know. They want to understand. I have people that come up to me in the street. I'm from Nigeria. I'm from Ghana. I want to talk to you about what's happening in this country. These BLM Marxists, they don't represent me. I've seen this. I have people come up to me from Venezuela and Cuba. I have people who come up from, to me, Mr. Producer, from Boston, Massachusetts, who are seeking liberty all weekend long. As I was in Kinabangpot, Maine, all too briefly. Freedom. Joe Biden is against freedom. Everything he proposes requires the iron fist of government. Requires you to abandon your principles. Requires you in many cases to abandon your ethics and your morals. Requires you to abandon common sense. Requires you to abandon your private property rights. Requires you to abandon your children and send them into an indoctrination camp. That is what Joe Biden stands for. That is what his party stands for. And that gutless wonder will never, ever come on a program like this to have a discussion of any kind. Ever. Neither will a single one of his senior aides. None of them. Neither will Bernie Sanders, neither will Chuck Schumer, neither will Nancy Pelosi. 
because they're hiding. You want to hear real people? Real people in America? Red-blooded Americans? LeBron James doesn't talk about red-blooded Americans. Steph Curry doesn't talk about red-blooded Americans. The president of Major League Baseball, he doesn't talk about red-blooded Americans. Democrats never talk about red-blooded Americans. They talk about this group and this group and this group and this group. As they must, or they'll lose power. I want you to listen to a black father and his daughter in this TikTok video. Hat tip, Washington Examiner, cut three, go. Daddy teaches you you can be anything in this world that you want to be, right? Don't daddy teach you that? Yeah, and it doesn't matter if, if you're black or white or any color. doesn't matter if you're black, white, brown, yellow. yellow. Right? Black. And and how we treat people is based on who yeah. they are and not and what color nice. they are. And if they're nice and smart. Oh. See? This is how this is how children think right here. Critical race theory wants to end that. Not with my children. It's not gonna happen. My baby's gonna know that no matter what she wants to be in life, all she has to do is work hard and she can become that. Work hard even though you don't know anyone, you can make friends. <laughs> Yeah, you can make friends, no matter what color they are. So we need to stop CRT, period, point blank. Children do not see skin color, man. They love everybody. If they're good people, they love them. We pray for people that are hurt. Mm. Beautiful. Why doesn't Joe Biden build on that? Because it's not in his personal political interests. The Democrat Party, no. They need people angry and jealous. You know what else? So does ESPN. So do most sports leagues. They need to stir the pot. They need to play to a a niche audience. That's what they do. Here's Deborah Flora, mother at a Douglas County, Colorado school district board meeting. Hat tip. The Daily Wire, cut four, go. We've heard a lot about how the education, the equity educational policy is not equivalent to critical race theory. However, I've heard many things that are very disturbing that show it to be quite the opposite. First of all, the term equity, it sounds great, but it's exactly opposite of equal opportunity. Equity demands an equal outcome. That only happens when you gerrymander things to favor one group or another. It's not the same as equal opportunity. The second thing that concerns me is when I heard the definition of equity that has been shared here and through many communications from the district. It talks about groups of individuals. When you talk about groups, it is collectivism. It is separating children into groups. That is exactly what it is doing. And groups based on what? What we've heard from both hiring the Gemini group, which is also another thing that concerns me, is the groups are broken down into race, gender identity, sexual preference, and oppression. When we look at the Gemini group teaching, which I took time to watch the entire thing, it is even more disturbing. And this group was hired by this board. Because in that training, it talks about oppressors and oppressed. 
That is damaging to every group of children. First of all, some groups of children are thought of as being shamed for who they are. The others are taught that they are victims without the ability to further themselves and to look at the others as the enemies. We all know the, the Dr. King quote that has been shared color of our skin versus the content of our character. He had a dream. This is a nightmare. It is a nightmare for our children, and it needs to end now. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's exactly right. Americans across this country of all races know this. Americans know this. So this is a battle of good versus evil. Of liberty versus tyranny. Of righteousness versus self-aggrandizement. Every time Joe Biden seeks to stir racial disunity. Every time he seeks to do that, it's for his own benefit and the benefit of his party. And they have to lie about their opponents because that's what Marxists do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. There's a lot more to cover, by the way, in the remaining hour, but I want to I cover this right now. Washington Free Beacon is another great site. Now listen to this. They report the following just now. Google diversity head said Jews have insatiable appetite for war. Now I can tell the man is not a white supremacist, Mr. Producer, because he's a black man. Just pointing that out. In a 2007 blog, Kamal Bob had harsh words for Jews in the Jewish state. Google's head of diversity strategy said in 2007 blog post that Jews have, quote, an insatiable appetite for war and, quote, an insensitivity to the suffering of others, unquote. Now, the comments were made part of a longer mediation from Kamu Bob, now head of diversity strategy at Google, that also slammed Israel's military actions in Gaza and Lebanon that same year. Bob was at the time a research associate in technology at Georgia Tech, according to his Lincoln. The post titled, If I Were a Jew, unquote, 
described how he believed Jewish people should view the Middle East conflict. He said, if I were a Jew, I would be concerned about my insatiable appetite for war and killing in defense of myself, he wrote in a November 30, 2007 post on his personal blog, where he was still actively publishing as recently as April of this year. He wrote, self-defense is undoubtedly an instinct that I would be afraid of my increasing insensitivity to the suffering of others. The blog features commentary from Bob on a wide range of issues, including racial equality, U.S. politics, education policy. Bob identifies himself as a Google employee in his blog's biography section. Google and Bob did not immediately respond to requests for comment. Now, the post excuse me, is likely to cast a new light on Google's diversity strategy in the wake of demands from groups of employees that the company cancel its business contracts in Israel and publicly condemn Israel's military defense, excuse me, its military defense operations in Gaza. Now, while Google has been a vocal supporter of diversity initiatives, the company released a statement about its, quote, commitments to racial equity, unquote, in the wake of the Black Lives Matter protests last year, it has not commented on the recent spike in anti-Semitic hate crimes. Bob's blog was heavily critical of the Israeli government and argued that Jews should be tormented by the country's actions. If I were a Jew today, he wrote, my sensibilities would be tormented. I would find it increasingly difficult to reconcile the long cycles of oppression that Jewish people have endured and the insatiable appetite for vengeful violence that Israel, my homeland, has now acquired. Bob wrote that the history of the Jewish suffering, particularly the Holocaust, should theoretically provide Jews with more human compassion. I don't know how I would reconcile that identity with the behavior of fundamentalist Jewish extremists or of Israel as a nation. As a nation, in other words, its existence. And it goes on. And this individual, I'm just reporting, repeating what the Washington Free Beacon is reporting. This individual is the head of Google's diversity strategy. He's Google's diversity head, as they call it. What do you think, Mr. Producer? Pretty cool, huh? They're very diverse there at Google. Very diverse. And very disgusting. Now, Google is a tech company, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Don't you think they would have checked somebody's social media before placing them in such a high position? Who says they didn't? I suspect Google did. And Google was still impressed. In fact, especially impressed with their hire to head diversity at Google. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. 
deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Everybody's poring over the Fauci emails, finding fascinating information in there, uh, which comes down to the fact that Dr. Fauci was, as I read these emails, in my opinion, duplicitous. What people need to realize is that you're not in the same job now for almost 38 years as head of the infectious disease organization within the federal government, 38 years straight. If you don't know how to work the system, you don't know how to use a stiletto, so to speak, and you don't have, know how to kiss ass and pick sides. That's what Fauci apparently did. He was told in January 2020 that the virus could have come from a lab, But he never told us that. He never told us that. Even more, he didn't think that masks were really needed for people who didn't have the virus. They were needed for people who did have the virus, so they wouldn't pass the virus along to other people. Quite remarkable. This conflicts with a number of his public statements, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. And the lab issue does as well. And I want to salute yet again, and he's a nonpartisan, in fact he might be liberal, I want to salute Nicholas Wade. Nicholas Wade, the retired senior New York Times science editor for many years. Because it took his article on May 4th, 2021. May 4th, 2021, a long article Over 11,000 words in a fairly obscure but scientifically apparently important publication. The Bulletin, I'm doing it off the top of my head, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists or Science. And even after May 4th, 2021, you didn't hear anybody talk about Nicholas Wade and the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists or Science. Nobody. David Berlinski, a top intellectual and American, who has spent uh, most of his recent years in France for some reason. Nonetheless, I had him on Life, Liberty, and Levin a few years back, one of the smartest men I've ever met. He contacted me out of the blue, couldn't reach me directly at first, eventually did. He said, Mark, I want you to read this piece by Nicholas Wade. And I read it. I think it was 33 or 40 pages printed. Single space. And sentence after sentence, paragraph after paragraph. He didn't waste a syllable. Was compelling. And he gave us the ins and outs. He actually went and looked at the grant that was given by Fauci's organization within the NIH umbrella to a third party in New York, which in turn gave some of that money, a significant amount, 
to the Wuhan lab. Why are we giving money to a Chinese lab anyway to do anything? Last time I checked, they have the second biggest economy in the world, and they're not our friends. What's that all about? Well, you know, we need to work on relations with each other. What a sap. Suckers. It was Nicholas Wade who wrote about, for the first time to my knowledge, about this moratorium that was on what that was uh, preventing this kind of a research, which took bat viruses, corona viruses, and made them lethal or more lethal to human beings. Well, you know, the scientists among us, we want to do that so we can, we can figure out how to prevent a pandemic. Should it come out? Prevent a pandemic? They may have caused a pandemic. And by the way, this isn't the first time that the communist Chinese have done this. This is just the worst time. There was a moratorium on this research and funding this research. And there was only, according to Nicholas Wade... There was only two people who could sign off with an exemption. And that was the head of the National Institutes for Health, a man by the name of Dr. Collins, and a man by the name of Dr. Fauci. A man by the name of Dr. Fauci, Franz Collins, NIH director, and Anthony Fauci. To this day, we don't know who signed off on this. Now, Fauci gave what can best be called incredibly misleading testimony under oath when he was questioned by, among others, Rand Paul. Early when he was questioned by Ron Johnson. And I want to salute Ron Johnson, who has been really the only one I know was publicly pointed to the Nicholas Wade May 4th article as really blowing the lid off of this entire thing. And most people didn't even know it existed until I did the interview with Mr. Wade a week and a half ago. Even, even my own colleagues, they pretend these things don't. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. Why, I don't know. They should be playing parts of the interview with this man. We did a rerun of it last weekend on Fox. It should be all over conservative talk radio, but it says, no, we can't do that. No, 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 no. Why? Because it cuts right to the bone, what Nicholas Wade had to say. And his somewhat weak, best I can put it, response, when he said, well, you know, there was polarization, and because Donald Trump said this, that, and the other, was immediately picked up by the rest of the press and regurgitated, because none of these people think for themselves. They're both ideologically stupid and anti-Trump. We know from the emails, again, that he said masks are really not effective. He also pressed for school closures. And he knew the virus could be engineered. There's a very excellent review of the emails by our friends at thepostmillennial.com. At thepostmillennial.com. And these Freedom of Information Act requests came from, of all places, the Washington Compost and BuzzFeed. 
And they got a massive cache, as pointed out here, of emails from Fauci. The early months of 2020. And they point out it revealed that Fauci was inundated with requests, suggestions, offers of assistance from the medical community. Of course, he ignored almost all of it. Fauci said early on in these emails that face masks are not helpful, received information that there was reason to believe the virus was engineered, and had advocated early for school closures despite evidence showing the kids were not at high risk of contracting or spreading the illness. And in response to a question from Sylvia Burwell about precautions she should take while traveling, Fauci said, quote, the masks are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected, rather than protecting uninfected people from acquiring infection. Now, she was the Secretary of Health and Human Services from 2014 to 2017. No doubt a good pal. Christian Anderson, Director of Scripps Research, and by the way, exposed by Nicholas Wade in his article and during my interview as leading the effort to get a second letter that was used by and given to the press to argue that this virus had to come from natural sources, animal to human, not lab leaks. That's all, you know, conspiracy crap. I should say he. Kristen Anderson, director of Scripps Research Institute, was involved in that. And they're right here. They exchanged a series of emails with Fauci in early January 2020. Anderson wrote that the unusual features of the virus make up a really small, small part of the genome. So one has to look really closely at all the sequences to see the sum, that some of the features look engineered. He said further that those on the team all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. That would be animal to man. And yet that's not what their letter said. This is what she says to Fauci. This is not what was said to we the people. Ladies and gentlemen, when the real book is written about this, There'll be chapter and verse about how Dr. Fauci and his operation failed us, about how the CDC was not prepared for any kind of a pandemic, how they failed us. There will be information about how the conduct of certain governors with the iron fist resulted in the deaths of people. And the reason why people want to know about the involvement of Dr. Fauci is because he runs the institution for the federal government and has for almost four decades that is involved in this kind of research. Now you'll recall during the interview with Nicholas Wade, he said that they used a loophole. His words, not mine. Loophole. To get this grant issued and presumably to that lab in Wuhan. A loophole. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, there could be 
millions of deaths on this planet as a result of this loophole. The media were utterly incurious about this. I said it over and over again during the interview, and quite frankly, Nicholas Wade agreed with me. Even though he's the senior New York Times science editor, he was very up and up. He was a straight shooter. He couldn't understand it either. And yet the breadcrumbs are there. Where did the grant come from within the bureaucracy? What levels reviewed it within the bureaucracy? Who ultimately signed off on it to exclude it from the prohibition? That is, who ultimately used the loophole and got an exemption? Pretty serious, don't you think? But the media, the media want answers given to them. They're used to people, hey. Hello. Yes? Is this Fredo Cuomo? Yes, I am. I'm going to send you the information that provides the evidence that this came from a lab. What are you, some kind of a right-wing nut? No, 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 no. I have the information that shows it came from a lab. Are you trying to make fun of me? No, Fredo. Pay attention. I have the information. Hang up. Now, the New York Times has quite an investigative outfit. It's got such an investigative outfit, they could never find the Holocaust. It's amazing. They can't find all of the Hamas missiles hidden under mosques and elementary schools and hospitals. And the AP, they couldn't find the Hamas terrorists and the missiles right across the hall from them. And this is the kind of media we have today. They're liars, and they're crooked. Now, if Americans are to have faith in these institutions, again, then these matters need to be resolved. America went through way too much. Too many people died. Too many people were harmed. Too many people lost their jobs and lost their businesses. Too many of our liberties were seized from us to sit back and be observers. That's why I did that interview. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. 
we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. So, ladies and gentlemen, these Republican states are trying to get their election systems back from diabolical Democrats, diabolical judges, and diabolical bureaucrats who are laced throughout the electoral bureaucracy. And there is a bureaucracy. They're not trying to prevent anybody from voting. If so, there would be a class action lawsuit, or at least an individual lawsuit, and federal law permits it. The New York Post editorial board points out Senate Bill 7 in Texas, the Election Integrity Protection Act, isn't some dastardly effort at voter suppression. It mainly ensures the procedures adopted amid the pandemic don't become routine going forward. And that you're seeing in a number of these states. For example, banning 24-hour voting and drive through voting, which is so absurd. Officials in Harris County, the state's largest home, put into place in the face of the COVID virus. Such rules allow the opportunity for voter fraud when no one is looking. The other provisions are election integrity no-brainers, such as making for-pay vote harvesting, that is, collecting absentee and mail-in ballots that you then deliver to election officials a crime. That would give increased protections to partisan poll watchers, institute stricter requirements for mail-in ballots, and let courts void elections in which the number of fraudulent votes were enough to change the outcome. None of these heralds an end to Lone Star State democracy. The bill still allows two weeks of early voting, which is more than many other states have. It even increases the hours polls must be open for early voting. Yes, it slightly restricts those hours on the last Sunday of the early vote period, But that's a hell of a lot less of an assault on democracy than, say, the arcane rules for even getting a candidate on a ballot in New York State. The walkout of the Democrats and the state legislature in Texas to prevent a vote, they hoped, before this year's legislative session ended, got a response from Governor Abbott, who vows to get the bill passed in a special session, which has to happen to deal with restricting after the, uh, after the Census Bureau releases data uh, in, uh, in August. I think they mean um, um, setting up congressional districts. So there's nothing here. Jim Crow, uh, counting uh, jelly beans, literacy tax, taxes. None of that. None of that in Georgia. None of that that they're looking at in other states. They're trying to get their electoral system back, which they have every right to do under the federal and state constitutional rules. And the Democrats are objecting. Why? Because they like fraud. Because they want illegal aliens to vote. Because they don't want citizens to vote. There's legislation that says individuals. And by the way, they want 16 and 17-year-olds to register. What do you think of that?
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. By the way, don't forget our podcast. It's all free. Free at last. Free. Go to marklevinshow.com. That's the mother website, the mothership. Click on Audio Rewind. It's the middle, top of the homepage. That'll take you to the podcast page, and then you choose your podcast. That's two clicks. So join us on our podcast. You know, there's a piece in The Atlantic about... Just give you a little inside baseball. Atlantic's a very left-wing publication. And there's a piece in the Atlantic about conservative authors and publishers, and they, they don't really know how to take on Biden. They don't really take on Biden. They have a scattershot of interviews with a publisher here and there, an author here and there, who really are playing into their narrative. First of all, Biden's been in office, what, four months Four and a half months. Nonetheless, they haven't read my book, American Marxism. Biden's in my book. It's not a book about Biden, but Biden's in the book. What he did with his executive orders, that's in the book. What he wants to do to our governing system is in the book. And yet they write this. And again, they quote individuals as if they speak for the publishing industry or every single author, which they don't. They say, and it's a rather long, circuitous piece, for now the most successful conservative authors are training their fire on more abstract targets such as wokeness and cancel culture. A quick review of recent bestsellers suggests that ignoring Biden can work just fine. Now, in my case, I don't know how you can ignore Biden. So I don't. According to BookScan, which tracks most hardcover sales, Andy Eng's book on Antifa, Unmasked, has sold more than 77,000 copies, an unqualified success in political nonfiction. As has Rod Dreyer's Live Not By Lies, which bills itself as a manual for Christian dissents. The talk radio host, Mark Levin, at least he didn't say right-winger, Mark Levin's forthcoming American Marxism, which will tackle, among other subjects, 
the widespread brainwashing of students, the anti-American purposes of critical race theory, and the Green New Deal, per its publisher, is expected to be a massive hit when it's released in July. Not a single person commenting on this, and not the person who wrote the article even asked me what's in my book. But Biden is in the book. Biden isn't in the book prominently. It's not a book about Biden any more than I write books about individuals of any kind. But how do you write about critical race theory, what I call critical gender theory, what I call critical immigration theory, and the, op- and the uh, operatives call uh, latcric? How do you write about the degrowth movement dressed up as a climate change movement. How do you write about all these things and the moves of the Democrat Party without writing about Biden and the Democrat Party? Well, clearly they are in my book. So the author, excuse me, of that particular piece has it wrong. And I don't think publishers, publishing conservative authors, are going to have a problem either. I really don't. And this is why I say that it's important that we continue. Those of you who feel you're eventually going to acquire the book, go ahead and pre-order it now. There's several positive reasons to do this. Number one, you send a message. The message is a message that this is a movement. It is a budding movement. But we're going to go from budding to powerful. That's the goal. I can only do what I can do behind this mic and with my book. But we're going to try and do these things together with some guidance. Number two, for you personally, this book will arrive on your doorstep on the day of its release. Not the next day, the day after, the day after, but the day of its release. Number three, if you pre-order it now, you get nearly 40% off on Amazon... And you get a first edition copy. What happens with a popular book is they have different printings. First printing, second printing, third printing. The goal is if you want to collect it in any event or give it as a gift, you want to try and get the first print edition. So, and the fourth, I think, most important reason is so you can get it as soon as it comes out and read it. So we can go through it together. You're going to see me doing a wide variety of interviews on TV and radio and, and for other forms of media. And so uh, we'll spend some time on this. I told you before, this book is a different mission than the other books. This book is intended to help form a, a, a counter-revolution to the counter-revolution, and it's intended to form a, an army of red-blooded Americans who will push back. Whether it succeeds or not, I don't know. You just do what you can do. I'm hoping it has, and look, I'm not an egomaniac. I'm just hoping it has the impact of Thomas Paine's The American Crisis. That'll be up to you and me and us together. And I hope you'll be the Paul Revere's to pass the message, to explain what's in it to explain some of the things that we need to do as red-blooded Americans, all of us. That's the point. 
So if you have an opportunity to pre-order it, you feel you're going to order it anywhere, you want to give it to a spouse, a husband, a, uh, a son, a father, uh, for Father's Day, even though you can't give the physical book, you can show that you ordered it. It's a little over $17 right now. If there are people you want to hand it out to, you should keep that in mind too, I think. People are already responding. People are already jumping in. It's a, it's a very... I'm very blessed, and I think the country is very blessed by you folks in the audience. The country is blessed by you. And when you get on an airplane and you have a book called American Marxism, or you walk through the airport with a book called American Marxism, or you get on a subway or get on the train, or you walk through your office or your place of work, if you're a truck driver and you put it on your, on your seat, or an Uber driver or a taxi driver, if you're an electrician and a plumber, and you have it with you, that's going to send a message, folks. I'm not kidding. I remember the good old days of the Tea Party movement and liberty and tyranny. I really do. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Josh Gottheimer is a phony moderate in northern Jersey, represents my mother-in-law's district. He knocked off a great Republican, and he runs around that district trying to convince people, I'm not like Pelosi, I'm not like Pelosi, but he is. He's Pelosi in drag, so to speak. And here he is, mouthing this same left-wing Marxist bullcrap as the rest of them. Cut 11, go. On the voting rights piece... It's completely undemocratic of what's going on in some of these states, right? And what Texas is doing and Arizona uh, and Georgia, the moves they've made to actually take away people's rights. and make You're a liar, Gottheimer, if that is your name. What is there, two T's or three T's? You're a liar, Gottheimer. Nobody's taking anybody's vote away. Why are you trying to incite racism and incite violence? You jerk. All right. Let's take a call. I mean, I haven't taken a call yet. Martha. I told you I was in uh, Kennebunkport, Maine. Martha. Miramar, Florida, XM Satellite. Martha, how are you? Mark, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good, too. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. Mark, ever since you ever since you announced your new book, um, I ordered it. Automatically, I ordered a copy wow. for me, a copy for my oldest son, which, thanks to you, I've won over. You did? I have God bless son. you. Yes, thank you, thank you. And I had him listening to you, and trust me, it was not easy, but I got him on my side. He's uh, 10 years older than his older, uh, younger brother, which was just over for the weekend, and I mm. couldn't believe what I saw. I mean, I think there's a lot of parents out there that have the same fear that they do not want to bring up politics or even give any sort of good advice. Is your son conservative, kids. your younger one conservative or liberal? He's uh, independent, but his girlfriend is a leftist. Well, you see, that, that has an impact, doesn't it? Yes. And, you know, he's Latin, and she's, I don't want to say white, because I never looked at her that way. Up you can say mouth, white. She's a caucasoid. <laughs> she's white, <laughs> and, and he's, he's, you know, he's Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is is that they were, we were watching the game show, and I was, you know, like, is this family feud? And he's like, no, we're watching this. Even though there's more white people, I'm like, where did that come from? No, oh, boy. More white people? No. So anyway, so I bet I, we had a discussion. We've never discussed politics. I told him, I showed him your book. You were number one at that point. I said, look, he's number one. You know I listened to him. Please, if I order the book for you, will you read it? Will you please? And he, he assured me that he would. You know what, Martha? That's the way to do it. Say to the, the, the kids. Look, if you do one thing, will you read it at least? Will you read it? Because it, it will open a lot of eyes. Liberty and Tyranny did too. And by the way, Martha, did you know Mr. Call Screener is also of Puerto Rican ancestry? Yes. He's my oh, Boricua yes. buddy. <laughs> he's very proud. He's a proud man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let me tell you. We have a whole rainbow coalition going on in this studio. You know that, Martha? There you go. There you go. Don't let... Don't let the left bring us down, and thank you for everything that you do, Mark. Aside of my husband and my family, you're my best friend. Oh, you're a sweetheart. Thank you, Martha, very, very much. Appreciate it. Now, this is how Americans are, really. Regular, common-sense Americans. Susan, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC, how are you? I'm hanging in there, kid. Listen, you better than hanging that. out there. Trust me. <laughs> okay, whatever. You, the uh, you started out talking about this interview that our former um, president isn't he a disgrace? Right? I mean, he sounds unhinged. Well, what I want to just say is it kind of made me think about that book he first wrote about how he smoked a lot of dope and did coke as a a youth. No way. Obama? No way. Yeah, Obama. Biden, maybe. I don't know about Obama, though. Look. Yeah? No, he wrote that in his book. I'm just kidding you. Yeah. I'm not saying it. No, he was proud of it. That's what he... Yeah, so what I'm saying is like... well. I mean, he is down for the revolution, after all. But I think maybe he's a little delusional about the reality of his presidency because they say that, you know, the brain is still forming and that now he's up in Martha's Vineyard. God knows what else he's doing up there. But his perception of Mm -hmm. his 
policy? I don't know. What can you do with lobsters and blueberries? I don't even know anymore. I want to thank you, Susan, for your excellent call. I got to take more calls. We got great calls. I'm sorry. Next time. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Levinites, I'll meet you over at Amazon. What do you say? And God bless each and every one of you. Have a wonderful evening. Good night.